Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel, or like this week, we interview some of our favorite creators working in sequential art. I am your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. I'm Anne. And this week, we are joined by the incredibly talented Tilly Walden. Uh, Hi, Tilly. How's it going? It's going well. Happy to be here. Happy to phone in. Yeah, we're we're excited to talk with you. Obviously, we're big fans of your work. Listeners to our show have have heard all about it. And you are coming to talk with us about your upcoming book, Clementine from Skybound. That's right. So could you describe for our listeners a little bit what Clementine is for those who may not know? Sure. I feel like everyone has like, you know, a few degrees of separation or just directly knows about The Walking Dead, which is this huge property um, started by Robert Kirkman way back when as a comic book. And then it became a TV show. And not everyone knows, but some people know that it also became a video game. And there was this video game uh, made. And within that video game, there was a character named Clementine. And in the video game, it was these four seasons uh, of the game. We saw Clementine grow up. Uh, People were able to make choices for Clementine and she became this really beloved character. She went through a lot in the games, trauma with a capital T. And then when the games were over, it seemed like that was the end of her story until, uh, I don't know, a year ago, a few years ago, I got an email uh, to do asking if I'd be interested in continuing Clementine's story. And so I am making a trilogy of graphic novels uh, that follows Clementine in her life after the games. Um, I believe she's 17 in the first book. And the first book is done. It's coming out this summer. Uh, I'm working on book two currently, but we're not here to talk about book two, even though that's what's truly on my mind. <laughs> I will I will backtrack myself and we can talk about uh, book one of Clementine, which is coming out from Skybound this summer. Oh my gosh. I just have to say right off the top that when da- I... I will be the first to say that I'm probably your biggest fan on this podcast, and I'll probably get beat up now that I just said that. But when Dallas texted me and he asked – I remember he asked us like weeks ago and was like, if you could talk to anybody, who would it be? And I was like, Tilly Walden, no question. And he was like, all right, deal. And I was like, yeah, okay, okay, sure. And then he texted me and was like, "Uh, we have an interview with Tilly coming up. And I literally laid on the floor in my living room and was like, well, this is the day I died. And so oh here God, we are. But um, and also, my when we were sent um, that little the first book of Clementine, I had mentioned in passing to my boyfriend the name of the the name of it, and he was like, "Oh, like the Walking Dead character," and the whip that my neck did to look at this man. I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he was like, "Yeah, from the video games." And I was like, "Shut up! What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know these things." <laughs> and. It was just hilarious because I had I had no idea. He's a huge Walking Dead fan, and he's the one that got me to watch the shows. And mm-hmm. he just has like this cache of knowledge that I had no idea about. And he fully knew who Clementine was before even I did. And I felt very betrayed by that before I even read this. <laughs> so amazing. I know, I know. It was so fun. And so I do have to say, like, he for my first um few like little questions that I have, he kind of helped me think of them so it's from me and Carson <laughs> nice. I love but, it. um when you were writing 
for Clementine, how did it differ for you um, with working a character that already kind of has a little bit of her own backstory? Like, how was it harder? Was it easier? Or just completely different? What, w- what would you say? It was interesting. I actually think that creative constraints make things easier. When you start a story just from scratch, the amount of potential is exciting, but it's pretty overwhelming. And because Clementine had a history that had already been written, it gave me such a starting point. And I've played the games. I've played them multiple times now. And so I having a character who already has a history written, but her future is up to you is like, is both an incredible amount of power and an incredible amount of responsibility. So creatively writing it, it was a lot of fun because I got to think about Clementine's past and any story in the Walking Dead universe, any story in an apocalypse is a story about trauma and loss and growth and and rebuilding um just sort of regardless because of the world they're in and I got to take like a lot of themes that interest me just generally as a creator um and apply them to Clementine which was a lot of fun I was really lucky in that I mean like say I was gonna like write Wonder Woman or Batman like some certain characters have such a long history and so many people have written them that it's I think it's way more daunting Clementine it was just these games and then after the games the folks at Skybound were really like we trust you do do what you gotta do um so I couldn't be luckier to have a, a team that was basically letting me write the books I wanted to write around the story of Clementine. Um, and that being said, Robert Kirkman has like helps edit the books and then um, people who worked on the games also help edit the books. So even though I do have a lot of creative freedom, there's plenty of stuff where we're like, oh wait, oh my God, she got this tattoo in this moment in the game. I got to make sure like I subtly added on to the drawing of her arm or whenever we acknowledge a character from the past, we have to make sure we do so in a way that's cognizant of the fact that people in the game made different choices. So they have different understandings of her past a little bit. So we have to be careful to not sort of decide for other people what choice they made. It's like, it's a whole rabbit hole. I could go on and on. Um, this is all to say it, it has been a really fun project. I feel like any project with some limitations is like the perfect thing for a person who makes comics because it gave me this starting point and then I got to just kind of run with it. And the fact that it's a series is a ton of fun. I wrote the first book without having any concept of what would happen in books two and three. And now I'm paying for that, but it's okay. I figured it out and it's going to be fine. And it's going to seem completely cohesive. And like I had a plan the whole time. It will. You did have a plan the whole time. I don't know what you're talking about. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, That's so amazing. That's so fun that you get to work with so many different people and kind of like the whole go back and forth thing. I think that's so cool. Um, But you did kind of mention that you've obviously played the games a few times, but um, what did like that research process look for you when you were starting to put together the pieces for writing this? I'm sure there was a lot of different moving parts to get started. There were, you know, I had to like, I had to really familiarize myself with zombies. I'm not like, I love The Walking Dead, but I've never written a zombie story. I mean, if anyone listening has read any of my work, it's like quiet and gay and kind of sad. Like there's not a lot of zombies. So I, I did have to like actually figure out like, wait, how do we kill them? How, how do I draw someone killing a walker? Um, and playing the games was sort of enough for me 
to understand Clementine, but in understanding kind of the Walking Dead world, I did go back and read the comics, um, which helped a lot. Um, and I watched some more of the show, even though I had seen it already, just to kind of get get myself in an apocalyptic mood. Um, it's like lighting an apocalypse candle. I'm like, I'm, it's I, f- I smell the scent. Here we are. And I'm writing the story. And this is Clementine's future. Um, but other than that, it's it really is like writing any other book you're, where you're just like wrestling with the bear that is plot where you're like, how do I get the meaning across and the feeling across that I really want to, but also make it exciting and interesting for someone to read and then also make it interesting for someone who doesn't care about zombies or doesn't have any reference point to The Walking Dead, because that was really important to me, or I don't want it to be a book where you have to have knowledge of the games or any relationship with, um, with The Walking Dead to enjoy reading it. I think you did that really, really well because like I do have to say like when I was watching it, I think I watched it – I think we started during lockdown, like the initial lockdown in 2020. My boyfriend like made me sit down and he like wrapped me up in a blanket and was like, okay, we're going to watch all 17 seasons of this show. And I was like, cool. Oh my God. This is great. It was great. And we're still going. He still makes me watch the ones that are still happening right now. But – um and I'm also not really somebody that super absorbed that media before. And I feel like this read through of Clementine, I was like, yeah, okay, see, this is really special because like, yes, it has those aspects, but it's its own story too. Like you follow the own characters. And honestly, like, I mean, the walkers, it's just, it's just so interesting to see these different characters address them, you know? So yeah. I think that was really, really fun. Um, but I do have another little question that's like not 100% about Clementine, but more about like you and everything you've done. Um, is there a specific story or like a character that you feel either really emotionally attached to or that you really love writing, creating? What do you, what do you have to say? Oh, it's interesting because it, it sort of changed in book yeah. two. But I, there's so much I can't say that would give so much away. <laughs> It's all right. Keep it vague. A lot of bad things would happen to me if I ever said anything about it. But for book one, I was really attached to writing the Amish character Amos because mm-hmm. I I was driving through Amish country as I was in the process of writing the beginning of the book. And I just like saw some Amish people and I was like, how would they do in the apocalypse? And I was like, probably pretty good. Um which led me down this rabbit hole of like imagining that there's this Amish youth who wants to like go on an adventure as Rumspringa and like discover who he is outside of his community. Um, And I really like writing sort of gentle boy characters who have no romantic interest um, in my main character, which is Clementine. Um, It was really fun to write just a friendship between these two people without all the often nonsense that gets put on, um, you know, these, these kinds of roles in stories in a lot of uh, classic storytelling. So he was, he was really fun to write. I'm very attached to him. And as far as book two goes, it's a different character. And I'll let you all guess later on who that could be. Oh, the suspense. I'm so excited. <laughs> but Amos was a very, very sweet character. I loved getting, I loved getting to know them all. That was, that was very, very fun. I, having lived around Amish country as well, I also was like absolutely the most interesting group to know what's going on. <laughs> I remember once driving by an empty lot and I saw a bunch of em- Amish people there and I drove by at the end of the day and there was like 75% of a house. And I was like, how, oh, did wow. this, how did this happen? How did you do this? <laughs> what occurred? But like yeah. my very favorite moment ever when I, I lived in like a really rural area of Missouri for a while. 
I remember driving by and I just, I heard like this rattling bass from like a subwoofer. And I was like, where is this coming from? All that's there is like some Amish boys in their horse with their horse and buggy. And I pulled up and there were two teenagers that had like wired up this subwoofer. And then they looked at us like they caught us. They like gave us this big, Shh, don't tell. And we were like, we won't, we won't tell on you. But I hope those two are doing well specifically. That's amazing. Teenagers are teenagers anywhere. I I, like it really hit me. I was like, I, I am 19 and you're 17 and I understand you. Like, yeah. yep, absolutely. Oh, and speaking of that, speaking of teenagers or teenagers everywhere and understanding you, um, Clementine is a character we'd already met before. And I, I guess getting a handle on her voice is probably a little bit easier than some of these other characters we have. Cause we have Amos, we have Olivia, we have Georgia um, and Rika. How did you what was the process of finding their voice since they are, I believe, completely original for this work? Oh, you mean like uh, Ricka, Georgia, and Olivia? Yes, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the twins, I'm a twin, and so I can't help but put twins in my stories. Um, and for Ricka, Ricka is a family name in my family, and I, I realize as a Jewish person, I like have not really written a Jewish character anywhere in, in any of my books, and I was really interested in the idea of writing a character who felt sort of inspired by my family members and also someone who struggles with her vision um, because I, my biggest nightmare in the apocalypse is that I will lose track of my glasses. And that's, that's the end of the story for me. Like there is, I, I don't know. I I really don't know what I would do um, because I haven't, I've been so, I've been so reliant on them. Um, So I think I thought about like, for these different characters, specifically the twins and Rika, like what, what challenges did they have before the apocalypse? And then what challenges did they have after and sort of how were they exacerbated? Right. So Mm -hmm. the twins had like a shitty mom before the zombies showed up and then the zombies show up and, and like things change your relationships with your parents, your relationship with each other. I think a lot about how close my twin brother and I are and how that closeness in the wrong situation could probably feel kind of toxic, but in the right situation can feel really beautiful. Um, And the same is true uh, for Rika and her family and how she she deals with it. But, you know, it's hard. It's always hard to sort of go back and figure out how you make characters feel alive. I feel like in the first couple drafts of book one, the characters weren't really coming to the surface. And it's something my editor just kept kind of like pushing on me, like, try again, try again, write more dialogue, like reach, reach a little deeper. And, and somehow it does, like, eventually they did come to the surface. But describing the process is a little bit elusive. I feel like it, I was banging my head against the wall a little bit, especially with Rika and how, how, uh, who she is relates to Clementine. Um, and there was a lot about actually writing Clementine that was difficult. The two aspects that I, I talked to people about and we had, um, some help come in, um, was, uh, living life as a unilateral below the knee amputee and living life, life as a biracial person. So, I'm really grateful, especially when it came to Clementine's life as an amputee, for all the people who taught me about what that is like um, and who who helped me see how important this representation is um, because it really is like a different way to move through this world. But then it's also interesting. I We had so many long conversations about how aspirational uh, the Walking Dead universes, because in a way, disability is the norm and they're recreating the world. They're building it up from nothing. And 
they have a chance to rebuild a world that is much more accessible and much more understanding of all the different kinds of bodies and needs that we have. That's, that's amazing. I love that so, so much. And I think that was definitely uh, like a shining through line, a, a shining beacon in the story. I loved that light in all of this darkness. That's, it, it made me, I've never read any of the Walking Dead books before. I've tried a couple of times. It's always so hard for me to get through that per- first part because apocalyptic end of the world stories just give me stress. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but the idea, the, the things that are being built here and seen like, a prolonged look at that future is actually so, so interesting. I love that you brought that. And speaking of like, just like the darkness of it, um, talking a lot about your writing, we'd be so remiss if we didn't talk about your gorgeous and unique art style. And this was, I believe the first story of yours I've read where color hasn't come into play at all. It's completely black and white throughout. And I had to ask, how does that change the process of approaching the story? How do you, what's the, what, what are the differences in your approach? Oh my God. It was so thrilling. Not having to color a book was like the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and I will shout out that the gray tones were done by Cliff Rathburn, who is someone who did the tones on, I believe all, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're out there, Cliff, um, on all the Walking Dead books previously. So, but as far as like thinking about the story standing on its own without color, I was really excited. I am very proud of my line work as a cartoonist. And it's something that I've worked really hard to get better at. And it was when I was working on Clementine, you know how sometimes you have a moment, I don't know, like I, like I take piano lessons and sometimes I have a moment where I like, look at the music and I'm playing piano and I'm like, Oh my God, I leveled up. Like I looked at that and my hands just played it. And I had, I had that moment when I was working on Clementine and I was like drawing the lines and I was thinking about all the spot black and the texture and the shadows and what I imagined in my head, this like dark moody world, but also a world that still had softness to it, just like happened. Like my hands were finally able to do it, but that's because I've made like 3000 graphic novels before. So it like, it took a minute for me to get there. Not 3000, like eight, nine or 10 or something. Um, and so I got really excited because I felt like finally my abilities were matching what I really wanted to see in the book. And it was really fun to create mood with nothing but line art. It's something that's done a lot more in manga because manga is traditionally black and white. Um, And I grew up reading manga. I'm a big fan of it. And I'm a big fan of black and white comics. And in North America, most comics are colored these days. And I think it's actually a huge bummer because we miss out seeing a lot of what the artist is doing just with their own lines because there's so much color hiding it. And I feel like there's this idea that to create an emotional story, you do need color. And while you certainly can use color to create an emotional story, and I feel like I've done that in my past books or I've like used it as a tool, it was really exciting to think about what other aspects of comic making can I rely on to make this story feel emotional if I'm not going to get like purple and yellow and pink and, and orange here. And so, so much of it was about thinking about composition and pacing um, and texture and shadow and it was just absolutely it was absolutely delightful to draw the book and then to hand it over to cliff and have him like put the tones on it and it looked like magic um i'm excited now to draw books two and three because i'm hoping i'm hoping i can learn even more about my own drawing and like continue to kind of push push what i've been doing i feel like i never you never really stop learning when it comes to drawing 
Yeah, gotta be honest, nothing gives me goosebumps more than the idea of you getting even better than you already are. So. Oh my god, there's so many like poses I can't draw. I still gotta learn. I I can't wait. When when you finally figure them out, just make sure you let us know and say I will. Hey, page 17, panel three, that's the one. That's, oh <laughs> that's I love I love that stuff. It's like when cartoonists figure out like a new tree to draw or a new kind of rock and you like put it in the background. You're like, it's not the tree I drew five hundred times before. It's a different tree. It's uh it's a huge I mean, this job can be so boring sometimes. We have to rely on these little things. <laughs> I love that. Um do you I just want to like piggyback off that. Do you feel like there were moments from Clementine that specifically really pushed you as an artist? Like were there sequences or bits of the world that you felt like were those level up moments for you? Oh my God, all the action. I mean, physically drawing someone hitting something else in the head is still so hard for me. I've been, I've been drafting book two and I keep just like drawing these dumb little figures being like, how do you kill a walker? How does the hand go down? And you get it, get it totally right. Um, so the action sequences really challenged me. And then thinking about like how Clementine moves because she, she walks differently. She walks with a cane. And there was a lot I didn't know about the fact that she holds her cane in the hand on the side of her leg that is not amputated, but the cane moves with the amputated leg. It's like a whole, so like it was a whole thing learning how she moves. So I think that really pushed my drawing. Um, and then just having to draw like new environments. I'd never drawn like these communities, like the Amish community or just walking through the world when it's full of like abandoned cars. Oh my God, I draw so many cars. Um, cars and overgrowth. I mean, I did kind of cheat, let's be honest, because I set the book at the top of the mountain. That was so easy to draw. I mean, there was so much snow. I was like, oops, oh no, a bunch of snow. It's right here. Solid black, solid white. Um, so I escaped drawing like a city for this book at least. Um, but I do think that the action sequences and how the characters moved through such a snowy world and how they dealt with the walkers in the snow was a big, those were big learning moments. Sorry, my mic was muted. Um, I I like that. I feel like a lot of your work really likes to sit in a particular setting. And I, I what was it about the setting of Clementine that spoke to you in particular? Um, I had to. So because Clementine was not my character to start out with, because she had such a history that I was contending with and all these other sort of creative minds that had put her story together. I felt like I needed a way to creatively kind of attach myself to the story right off the bat. And for me, right before I started working on the books, I moved back to Vermont after having gone to school here. And I like, I looked around and I was like, the book has to be here. It has to be in Vermont. I have to feel like my home is Clementine's home, at least for a little while. And I, I drew a lot of the book during the winter, um, which was perfect because my reference photos were right outside my door. Um, so yeah, setting setting is really important to me. I think it's because I, I like drawing places. I find the drawings, I find drawings of places to be very emotional. Not everyone does, but I don't know, certain drawings of, of trees and land just like really hit me right in the gut. Um, and like, and photos of buildings and, and walking by, there's all these like sort of abandoned farm structures in the town where I live that my wife and I walk by and it's just like, oh my God, I could write a thousand stories about this. Or there's this weird 
weird house on a cliff by a dam. Every time I look at it, I'm like, I have, I have stories to tell about that weird house. Um, so I think I find setting really inspirational. So it's often the basis for, um, for my stories and, and the genesis of the rest of the series is actually all about location. Not that I can say where on earth they take place. That is awesome. Uh, and I, do you have one more question before I switch into my stuff? I do, but I think it'd be best saved for last. Okay. All right. Perfect. Um, it's too hot of a question. (laughs) Look at that. She wanted to come with the oomph at the end. Um, so I guess just continuing down that, I I think my favorite of your works is On a Sunbeam. It was the first one that I read and it it really impacted me. And so I couldn't help but I felt like that meme that was like the guy that has read On a Sunbeam is like, I'm getting big on a sunbeam vibes from this. <laughs> <laughs> and but I like <laughs> I like the fact that we again focused on a group of young people that were restoring something or or yeah. building an area. So do you feel like there was an intentional parallel there or is that just a scenario and themes that you like to explore? I, I, could, I could not believe it when I finished book one. I was like, what did I do? Did I write about people building something again? And I looked back and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I did. I don't know what, why I should be psychoanalyzed to really understand it, but it's, it's, it was not intentional. I really am just fascinated with the idea of, of building and rebuilding and of structures that decay and that need to come back. I think I'm just, I'm fascinated with structure and how people interact with them, but it's awesome as an artist because I don't actually have to build houses. And I think it is way harder than uh, it is to draw them. And I think so much, about my job that I love is that I get to explore these these themes and ideas without having to be bogged down by the reality of them. And so playing with, with place and building and rebuilding. Also just, I mean, the the theme that like comes to mind, is it a theme? I'm not sure. But like when people build something and when I think about like the house where I live with my wife and my cats and in the in the forest, like so much about our heart and our life and our soul is like imbued in the place that we decide to call home. And I feel like living is just an endless process of things like degrading and falling apart and having to rebuild it again. And I don't know, I I find the idea of, of people working together to build something like the most hopeful act. I think it's just like so miraculous. Um, and I, 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 it's funny, you like, you can't help but sort of write characters who reflect your interests. And so I did not anticipate there to be really a connection between on a sunbeam and, and Clementine. But now that I think about it, it's like, I still have a lot more stories about people building stuff, um, or working on buildings or being uh, involved in the history of buildings. Um, I'm like, I'm not done. I don't, I don't feel finished on these themes. And it's, it's something that I feel like I'm pushing even deeper into in book two, because there's so much that I didn't on a sunbeam that I felt like I didn't get to explore as much as I wanted to, even though that book is enormous. I know it sounds strange to say, but there was still so much I feel like I didn't, I didn't get to do. Um, so it's great that I have more books to do because I got to touch on it in Clementine. And now for the rest of the series, I feel like, I feel like I'm just now, at least with the second book of the trilogy, starting to figure out what my, what my deal is with buildings. Um, and Clementine is figuring it out along with me. I like that. I, 
I also like buildings. I like building right. things and creating right. things. And so I do think there's something inherently human in wanting to create, like yeah. be that creating our space, be that creating art, friendships. We like to make something tangible in the mm-hmm. world. And so just hearing that you and Clementine end up having that together, mm-hmm. it, having that in common in the story, uh, what role do you feel like autobiography plays in fiction? I wonder, you know, I feel like the best way to write a story is through honesty um, and vulnerability. And so I, I feel like the emotional core of what is going on in the story is very much connected to me. But what makes fiction so great is that you get to explore sort of details and identities outside of yourself. So I think I think there's no way to really write outside of yourself at the end of the day. Like I, I am always me. And that's one of the reasons we have sensitivity readers and we had other people from other experiences read the book and help guide me on how to, to flesh out those other parts that I could never reach on my own. And I think part of what makes making books so interesting is that it's not a solo process. Like anyone who says they just wrote a book and it came out and it was a bestseller. I mean, maybe that's actually how it happened for them. But for me, I've had so much help. I've had so much guidance. I've had so many people helping me to figure out how to best put across those emotions of my own. So like so much of the process is about tapping into what I feel and what I've learned in my own life. But then there's so many people who help me sort of bring it all together into a story, which is a long-winded way of saying, I think your own life and personal experiences will shape the fiction that you write, but who you are in the present moment will help make it fiction. Because if you're open and willing to hear other perspectives and to learn and make mistakes and grow from them, I think that's how you can really write fiction because then you're you're both accepting the fact that you're a part of this story but you're also not a part of this story and that's part of of being an author too is when you hand it over to readers you don't you don't get to decide what they take from it and you don't get to dictate what it means to them so it's funny how like the idea of a cartoonist like living in Vermont in the woods it like it sounds like a very sort of isolated lonely existence but in a way, I, I work with so many people and, and so many people will end up reading the book. It's strange that my job feels strangely social and I'm, I'm very introverted despite, being, despite the fact that I'm good at pretending to be an extrovert. Um, so I don't know how I landed here um, in, this, in this job where I do talk to a lot of people, but I do think being open um, and honest about where you're at is just sort of the key to everything. Wow, this sounds like I'm I'm like a motivational speaker or something. This always happens whenever I answer <laughs> questions. I just end up being like, "You can do it. Be honest." That's all right. I'll take I'll take a poster from Tilly that says you can do it on my wall. It'll be the best day yeah, of my life. Anytime. <laughs> just one of those hang in there posters with the yeah, little, little, cat, little, little cat. Oh, I love those. <laughs> I love those. I do like this idea of your book being like the house that the characters are building, right? That like the book's about Clementine, but everybody's coming in to help create this thing at the end of the day, be that experiences around yourself. Um, Do you, so you feel like you're pouring a lot of yourself and the people around you into the fiction. Do you feel like the characters like bounce back on you? Do you feel like you change as a person while you're working on these characters? I wonder, I think maybe I used to think that. At this point, it it really has become my job. I don't know if that, if I, I don't know if I feel like that happens. I feel like the effort and the hard work that I put in is what changes me. 
and the sort of the fruits of my labor or seeing what I can do when I sort of put my heart and my mind to it changes me. But the characters themselves and the story themselves, I I don't know, because I also think that once the book comes out, like the second Clementine is out, the first book, at least, I feel like I kind of say goodbye to it. And then I focus on the second book and then it'll come out. I say goodbye to it in the third book and the same. And I felt that way with all my books. Like I really don't feel much attachment to the books I've made in the past because once they become a commodity and they, they aren't this just sort of precious little thing that I work on at my desk. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's such a hard question, but I don't, I don't know if that's quite it, that my characters bounce back at me. I think there is, maybe that would happen if, if I was more isolated, but because of the way the world is now and the fact that creative people are online and there's a whole like industry and, and world to contend with throughout all of this, I don't know. I think the things that change me are 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 so are so much more real. I mean, as real as I feel like this story could be, I think just like my daily life with the person I love is like is much more affecting. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the way it should be, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I I teach comics, and it's something I talk a lot about with my students is is feeling like it's important, but making sure you feel like this isn't everything and it is not tied to your identity. Um, forever. It's, it is just drawings on paper and it's okay to, to let go of it or feel like it's not the most important thing in the world, mostly as a way for like sanity and balance, <laughs> which I like. I like that. Yeah. We are firmly in the camp of sanity and health. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Oh, is that your last one, Dallas? That is. I think I got it all out. Oh, okay. So my last question is just kind of looking beyond Clementine, because I'm I'm so excited for everyone to get a chance to read this book. I think they're going to love it. And I can't wait for the next two in the series. But I have to ask, because I always like looking to the future. What, what are you thinking about beyond Clementine? Are you thinking beyond Clementine at all? And are there any like, because Clementine is jumping into someone else's property and getting to play with it. And that's really exciting. Are there any other worlds or characters that are on your, your dream list on your bucket list that you want to hit at some point? Oh gosh. So, so while I've been working on Clementine, I've also been working on a duology of books with Tegan and Sarah, who are mm-hmm. a, a pop duo from Calgary, Canada. And it's, it's middle grade and it's very like fun and sweet. And so I, I basically have like these three years to make these five books and Tegan and Sarah one is done. Clementine one is done. And so that's, that's three left that I have to do. And I think I have like two years. Um, I might have like a little more time, but I don't have a lot of time. So I have, I have so much work to do that. I think the first thing that I'm excited about post Clementine is not working on any goddamn comics. No, I love you comics. Thank you so much for supporting me. You're so great. Um, I want a sabbatical. Um, I feel like my rabbi was telling me about something about like taking the seventh year off, like the whole year. I'm like, have I hit seven years in comics? Can I take a whole year off? Um, so a break is like my most uh, exciting aspirational uh, project first and foremost. But after that, I am excited to go back to the world of original graphic novels. I'm excited to see what kind of story I would make after all of this, just like on my own, like what what would happen wouldn't be about people building something. I don't know. It's anybody's guess. Um, I never learn. Um, 
yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get back to, to personal work of some kind um, on my own terms, maybe some shorter form work. I can't really think of any characters that I would love to work with. I, every now and then I read a book where I'm like, oh God, I would, I would love to adapt that into a comic. And then I'm like, hold on, Tilly. That's just because you like this book. You don't need to turn it into a comic. Just read the book and like the book. Um, so I don't know. I'll keep, I'll keep thinking on it. But also like working on such a big property like Clementine has been amazing, but it's also been really daunting. And there's been, a, there's been a lot of pressure and there's, there's been a lot of backlash. <laughs> so I, I am also excited to feel like I don't have the responsibility of a character on my back for a while. Um, or if I do, it's like, it's a character that I come up with in this room that you see me in right now. So I don't know. I don't know what the, what the future holds exactly. I do know that after working on this series, I will be a different person, an artist, and my life will have evolved outside of Clementine as well, just naturally. So whatever I make, I'm excited to see it. Also, if I don't want to make anything, that's okay too, future Tilly. Totally up to you. Exactly. Give yourself that rest. But we are so excited to see these next couple of years unfold and to see what comes from the series and just how far you've come as an artist and storyteller. It's just it, absolutely incredible. We are so, so excited. Thank you so much. You're all so sweet. Thank you. I, I am the worst. I have like one tiny last question. Like, <laughs> oh, fine. Uh, Dang, you took Aaron's last right. question spot. How dare you? I'm, I'm muting. Listen. I'm going to my corner. Perfect. <laughs> Um, what do you like to do when you take a break from comics? Like, what does that sabbatical look like for you? Oh my gosh. What do I like to do? I, I like to play piano. Um, and I'm, I'm quite a beginner, but I'm, I'm learning slowly. I like to knit. Um, I, it's going to sound so dumb. I love to clean and I love to organize. It is like, I like to put an audiobook on in my headphones and run around the house and tidy. My wife calls it hustle and bustle mode because I just walk around like this. I'm hustling and bustling and I move everything around and I'm like, what are you doing? You drinking water? Great. Drink your water. I'm going to go over here. I narrate everything as I'm in hustle and bustle. So I look forward and, and we, we bought a house, um, last year that needs a lot of work. So I'm excited to become like a handy lesbian. Um, I like have hammers and stuff and I can like remove doors and hang up curtains. And uh, so working on the house, I don't know how to garden. We'll see if I ever learn how to garden. That would be a great skill growing food, uh, but I don't like bugs and I don't like being dirty. So that's an unlikely one for me. Um, and I enjoy, I enjoy teaching. And that's another thing that I do outside of my books that really helps me stay connected to like what it means to try to make comics in this world. But yeah, knitting and I love I love watching TV and movies. I'm such a couch potato. My mom worked for HBO for 30 years and and inspired in me a very dark sensibility for TV and movies. So <laughs> that's another fantastic way to spend my time. I love that. Well, I hope that there are some great breaks and some great hustle and bustle in Thank your future. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us your time and we're going to be releasing this right around the release of Clementine. So listeners, go out and pick up book one of Clementine and give it a read. All right. Thanks, everybody. And bye. Bye. Bye.